Welcome to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Devotions designed to inspire you on your daily walk with God. Here's your host, Ken Gurley. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Morning Devotion yet again. Here we are. A wonderful day to magnify God. A stormy day here where I'm sharing this devotion with you. So we're just praying we're going to get through this together. Uh, The lightning is flashing. The thunder is rolling. And while I'm enjoying every moment of it, I've just been thinking, okay, we've got to get through this. So say a prayer as you do each and every day. Thank you for joining in. So good morning to all and to each of you. Breadcrumbs to the extraordinary. That's the subject today. Our morning devotion began with just a Wow, just a very few people. It was really encouraging just a couple of weeks ago when I asked, how how long have you been doing this and sharing this with us? And some of you, some of you whom I didn't even know uh, had started the very first week, a little over a year ago when we did this. So thank you, the long-termers and the newbies and each and every one of you. Don't be silent. It began with just a few people, then a few dozen, a few hundred and And over time, it's become quite a host. And that's because of you. It's because of your faithfulness that we come together each and every morning, normally Monday through Friday. But in this time, we're doing 21 days of prayer. And so we're coming to you at uh, for 21 days straight. We meet each morning, 7 a.m. Central, normally Monday through Friday. And uh, why? Just as those six-winged seraphim shout holy, holy, holy one to another as they go around the throne of God, those who would be close to God must encourage one another and speak to one another and entwine our hearts and minds to pursue God. Because if the enemy is anything, he is the Lord of every distraction. And in this distracting world in which we live, we need one another. Oh, praise God. Can I get a witness to that? We need each other to gather together. And uh, we need it. God wants it. And the world absolutely demands it. And so today we're going to look at the breadcrumbs to the extraordinary. So welcome. Join in. Don't be silent. Come on way down into the mosh pit. It's the only crowd you can be a part of these days. And celebrate what God's doing in our midst. Leave a miracle report a testimony of an answered prayer, and of course, leave notes, comments about what you would like to see God do in your life. Standard drill, follow the page, share the page, and by so doing, you're inviting others into this ever-growing and ever-deepening community of faith. So thank you for being here. A lot of, I hear a lot these days of people saying, just want to get back to the normal. We want to, we miss the ordinary things in lives that we once took for granted. Getting up, for some of you, getting up Monday morning and hitting it, heading out to rush hour traffic and going to work. Others gathering in groups, the jostling of crowds and shoppings and malls and public places. Getting together with a group of people for dinner, a potluck supper at a church. Who knew we could treasure such things? but we do, and we miss them, the normal and the ordinary. What we can tell, however, is that there is a high likelihood that normal, normal is a long way away, and ordinary 
may be in our rearview mirror for quite a while, not just because of a sickness, but because of what has been unleashed through this season. I mean, within the church, we're fighting inertia, these internal foes of apathy and lukewarmness and lethargy, a Laodicean behavior the last days that acts as spiritual inertia. It's like swimming in molasses. I've never done that. It's like walking in quicksand. Never done that, although I was trained for it quite a bit. Outside the church, masks are being dropped. Facades are falling. Old ancient foes that have always warred against the righteous have have been revealed. In modern times, the anti-truth postmodern era, they masqueraded under false pretenses. They say things like, well, if you're Christian, then just fill in the blank. But the pandemic has succeeded in drawing to a close the masquerade ball. False pretenses are dropping, and we sense that we live in an anti-Christian modern world. That only makes sense because the spirit of the Antichrist is active in the world today, so no wonder it's anti-Christian. So there's no more normal, there's no more ordinary for some time to come. What we've got to do is move into the extraordinary. And so Wallace and Don and Jason and Glenn and Donna, we've got to move into the extraordinary. We, we can't stay. And that's what has been called through history, extraordinary, not just daily prayer, but extraordinary prayer, prayer that goes beyond personal devotion, prayers that move into corporate devotion, prayer that unites people of differing backgrounds, persuasion. We launch into the unknown in search of the known God, and we leave the ordinary in search of the extra nor ordinary. God is speaking to our world today, and he's saying, escape the ordinary, and explore, journey, trek into the extraordinary. Move from ordinary personal private prayer into the realm called by our forefathers, the concerts of prayer or extraordinary prayer. So join with us today on this pursuit. Thank you for being a part of it. Cheryl and Neva and Kathy and Yolanda, thank you. Thank you for just saying, I want to be a part of that group that explores the highlands of faith. And uh, tired of living in the lowlands, I want to follow the trail of breadcrumbs that lead to those those opened, extended vistas where I can see what God's doing in our world. Oh, can I get a witness to that? We want to go above and beyond the normal. At such times, God's People desperately need to hear from God. They need a situation resolved. They have a great enemy. The need is urgent. Could I have described today's times any more than what I've just done? We face ancient foes. We face modern foes. uh, But we have the breadcrumbs to the extraordinary. Consider the book of Esther breadcrumbs if there ever was a book of breadcrumbs. The Jews, as you know, were captured in a strange land, strange people. They were in uh, Persia and they were threatened with extermination by one cruel man, Haman. And they needed deliverance and they needed help and they were powerless. Yet God positioned a Jewish woman named Esther inside the palace near the ear of the king. Oh my, And that king could speak a power, a word, and had the authority, the law of the Medes and Persians, 
to rewrite the entire situation. Esther's original name was Hadassah, meaning Myrtle, a small shrub, but her name was changed to Esther because she was a rising star. And this is what happens when you move from the ordinary to the extraordinary, from the earth into the heavens, your life, your future, your destiny, you yourself, your character, you're transformed. Esther followed the breadcrumbs into the extraordinary. When she planned to go before the king, she risked her life because to enter into the king's presence in that culture without an invitation was a certain death sentence unless the hearts, the heart of the king was predisposed to receive her. So before she went, the entire people, her entire people were called for three days of prayer and fasting. Extraordinary prayer brought extraordinary results. And to this day, a festival, a feast, is celebrated in Judaism to re, uh, about this remarkable time, an extraordinary time. In such a season as this, folks, the ordinary will not do. It will not do. No, we can't keep doing things like we've always done. We, we, this, and, but, but aren't we doing this? Gathering together early, starting today together, praying, believing, hoping, uniting. That's pretty extraordinary when you think about it. Whispering in the ear of the King of Kings saying, hey, God, only you can change this situation. Only you can alter the course of this world that is bound for eternity. We need to follow the breadcrumbs into the extraordinary. Another book of breadcrumbs is the book of Ezra in the Bible. Leaving Babylon, leaving captivity, going home, Ezra grasped how dangerous it would be for these people to be going home with the few belongings that they had and the, the money that they had to start rebuilding. And so he asked everybody, humble yourselves, pray fast for the days ahead and the sure hand of the Lord will be upon us. And of course, God led them to safety as they stepped amid the ruins and began to rebuild. Is that how you feel? You're walking down an uncertain path. You don't know what you're facing. You feel threatened on every side, a sense of foreboding. You're facing ruins and the ashes of what might have been and could have been. Uh, and you're living in the realms of the shouldas and the couldas and the wouldas, and you need to face the music. Uh, this is when we need to say, I can't do this by myself. It's going to take the hand of God. It's going to take my brothers and sisters to bind together, and we're going to see what God can do. God, we need that same hand that wrote on the palace walls of Babylon that Belshazzar saw. We need the guiding hand of God to give us a sure word of prophecy for the day that we're living in. And that's your hand of God has been seen again and again the extraordinary ways in our nation's history. It was in April 1970, Apollo 13 was in trouble and the lives of the astronauts hung in balance. Uh, we hear of the ingenuity, the grit and the training uh, that helped them get out. We read of Wolf's, what Wolf said of those original astronauts, they're made of the right stuff. But what we forget was the president at that time called for a day of prayer and fasting for the safe return of those men from outer space. Have we forgotten that extraordinary times call for extraordinary prayer? And I believe we're moving into a season of extraordinary prayer. I'll just say it, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. It's as easy as breadcrumbs 
Acts 1, Acts 1, we read the early church all met together and were constantly united in prayer. Acts 2, there's the two. All the believers devoted themselves to prayers, plural. Acts 3, Peter and John went together up to the temple in the afternoon for a time of prayer. Yeah, yeah. Acts 4, all the believers gathered for prayer in the upper room. Again in Acts 4, after the assembly had prayed together, the meeting place began to shake, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and with boldness. It's as if the book of Acts lays out a trail of breadcrumbs uh, for each of us to follow, uh, not to the wicked witch in a forest somewhere, uh, not to Hansel and Gretel's bakery, but into the heights. Uh, if you want to see the miraculous, if you want to see your world change, uh, if we want to see something extraordinary, we've got to enter into a unity of prayer. We have to pour ourselves uh, into the Possible. We live in a country here, the site of this devotion, that has seen great awakenings, major revival movements. They all began with extraordinary prayer. They began with a, a firm conviction that no matter how bright the world is, how dark the world is, irrespective of the world's affection or hatred, we're going to follow the path to the extraordinary. And that only comes with people turning their eyes toward the throne of grace and pursuing God as never before. For. God is not going to move forward with healing our nation and our world until his people move forward in turning to him. Did you hear me? We've got to move forward. We like to say with Moses, oh, I've heard it all of my life, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. You've always got to lower your voice a little bit when you say that. And you got to slow down. Stand still and see the salvation. That sounds so holy, but we, for we forget that when Moses said that, God rebuked Moses for saying that. He said, listen, I've done everything I can do. I've brought you out. I've sent the plagues. I've brought you out of Egypt to this place. Yes, you're facing a Red Sea, but I tell you, go forward. If you will start moving, I will move before you. Oh, praise God. Isn't that a word? If you will be moved to prayer, God will be moved to the miraculous. He will part the waters before us. As soon as we purpose, we're going to move ahead. We're going to follow that trail of breadcrumbs into the heights. That's where the church is now. We find ourselves paralyzed. They say the lion's roar is designed to paralyze its prey and to freeze the prey. Maybe we've been momentarily shaken and frozen by the roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But we can ill afford to be immobile and paralyzed in such a day. We've got to move. Our families depend upon it. Our churches depend upon it. Our world depends upon the church following that trail of breadcrumbs uh, into the extraordinary. Uh, that trail was left by our forefathers. Uh, they saw what God can do. We can see what God can do. God is no respecter of persons. I don't know why this morning I, I was attracted to something Frank Bartleman wrote. 
He wrote about the prayer meetings that popped up in Los Angeles for six months preceding the Azusa Street revival. He wrote of the earnestness and the seeking of God's face and the soul travail of pouring themselves out before God and the longing for the manifest glory and the presence of God. He believed that those who were praying were giving birth to a divine destiny. And if you go to places that are seeing that, go to Korea and you'll find the multitude going to the mountains to pray for hours on an end. Uh, Wherever there is great revival, there is great prayer. If you want a great awakening, we've got to have a greater source of prayer. It was Jerry Troustel, author of The Kingdom Unleashed, who wrote, we can also say unequivocally that every major revival, every movement of the Spirit was preceded by long, intense prayer. The question question is, he asked, why do Christians in the Western world spend so little time and attention on prayer? He continues writing and he says, prayer is the lifeblood of every movement. And the Western church does not rely on prayer. And if behavior is any indication, it does not believe in prayer either. If if we are going to see an awakening, here's what he wrote. We will need to see ongoing commitment to serious, intense, persistent prayer for God to open the heavens. And without that, there will be no movements in the church. We'll continue its slow, inexorable decline into irrelevance in the Western world. Every spiritual revolution in history, he wrote, every spiritual revolution in history started with that unified persevering prayer. So folks, from the first outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Acts through the Great Awakenings and the Fulton Street Revival, the Welsh Welsh Revival, Azusa Street, story after story, people were moved to intense prayer. They followed the breadcrumbs into the miraculous and extraordinary. And that's our only way forward. We've got to follow that trail of breadcrumbs. And that is the path of prayer. So, Sister Lee, I know you believe that. I know you believe it. Rita, I know you believe it. Elaine, Diana, I know you believe that. Joy, I know you believe this, that together we are following a trail of breadcrumbs into the extraordinary. We are going to see the heights. We are going to move into a sense of an awakening in our world, but it's going to be down that path of prayer as we begin to seek his will and face together. It was in the first great awakening that illustrious character, Jonathan Edwards, he urged his fellow pastors. He said, we need to be in much prayer and in much fasting, both in secret and with one another. It is God's will that the prayers of his saints shall be great, and the principal means of carrying on the designs of Christ's kingdom in his world. When God has something, I love this, when God has something to accomplish for his church, it is with his will that there should precede it the extraordinary prayer of his people. That's the breadcrumbs to the extraordinary Paul tells us to pray for all things at all times, 1 Thessalonians 5. And in this season of craziness, we need to follow that trail of breadcrumbs to the divine, to pray, to pray as never before. 
I, I just believe with all of my heart that something is happening. And if we had the, if we had the benefit of hindsight, you remember, he said, I want to see your glory. Moses said, show me your glory. He said, I can't show you my glory. You can't see my glory and survive. And so God put his hand over Moses' face and allow his glory to parade by. And only after the glory passed by did God remove his hand. And the Bible says that Moses saw the remnants. He saw the residue of the glory of God. And just seeing the residue was enough to convince Moses and to illuminate his face. Here's what I believe. I believe that the glory of God is already on the move. It's already moving in our midst right now. With the benefit of hindsight, we can see what he's doing. But let me tell you, I want to follow. I want to follow after God with all of my heart. I want to see what God is doing. Brother Trenton, Sister Contrice, Brother Don, Sister Elaine, Sister Vicki, Brother Bill. We got to see it. We got to rally together and say, God, we must see the extraordinary. And we will. If we will do what they've done for centuries, if we'll unite together in prayer, God will. God will move in a great way. Would you, at the close of this devotion, would you just take a moment, leave a prayer request out to the side, encourage somebody, leave a miracle report, share this with someone else, and let's all follow together and see the waters part and see the heights reach. God bless you. Thank you for being a part. Looking forward this week to meeting with you each and every day. Thank you for listening to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Join us next time for another inspiring devotion. To support this ministry, please visit firstchurch.com forward slash give.